Welcome to Politics and Rana McBerto Will is your host. Today we have a very special guest, Ken Rusk. Ken Rusk is a blue-collar construction business entrepreneur who has launched multiple successful endeavors over the last 30 years for the first years of his young working life. He dug ditches for a basement repair company in, nor- in northern Ohio. Over the years, he dug his way to a good life, one shovel of dirt at a time and is now teaching others to do the same. Ken is the author of Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. Welcome to Politics and Right. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, look, man, actually, just looking at the name of the book kind of says something. You, you have the, the color blue in there, and you have the word cash. And you have blue collar. Those are, you notice I love blue. I like that. Yeah, I noticed that. Yes. So (laughs) my favorite color too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I know, you know, people like green, but anyhow, let me ask you this. First of all, why did you write that book? I think it's, it's special in this time. It's very important. Why did you write the book? Well, you know, it, it started out as something that I've been doing. I've, I've been kind of, you know, when, when you hire a lot of people for a living, especially people that have their first, second or third jobs and, you know, you end up doing almost becoming an involuntary life coach to them, which which is great because you get to help them out with their their first checking account, their first credit card, their first car, their first apartment, whatever. Just kind of lead them through that initial process. And I've been doing it for a long period of time, working on visionary thinking and forward and, and future and all that kind of stuff. And um, I started writing a letter to my daughter who actually got sick about 12 years ago. And um, she's she's better now, but she had a pretty challenging time for a while. So I started writing a letter to her about what I thought was important in life based on what I learned from running this company. And um, it kind of turned into an 80,000 word manuscript over the next six or seven months. And um, people said, you know, with the experience you have in coaching and what you've done here, you should you should put this out there beyond the walls of your company and see what happens. And uh we got really, really lucky. We hit it, uh, hit it pretty big with that. So, well, let me tell you. First of all, what what I love is that uh, you are one of the entrepreneurs that are really self-made. Once I heard that you shoveled dirt, you shoveled and, and did that sort of a work. It reminded me of my formative years here in the United States, coming from Panama, where I swept floors, washed dishes, etc. Before I formed a company, uh, those are the entrepreneurs that I have a hell of a lot of respect for because, again, you know what it takes. You know what it took to get there. Now, um, right now, we have a tendency to push everybody to go to college. Not a bad thing, but tell us a little bit about that. It's not, uh, especially since, according to all statistics right now, the baby boomers are retiring and we're going to have a flood of opportunities that don't require a college degree, but require a hell of a lot of skills. Your point. Well, there's there's a lot to unpack there. First off, I think part of the problem was in the 80s, we got rid of shop class where kids just, you know, almost accidentally discovered things like, you know, welding and carpentry, plumbing, mechanics, you know, all those types of great, great trades. And um, if you combine that with, you know, kids are now instead of going in the backyard and building a tree fort with lumber and hammer and nails, they're building them on their smartphones and they're not really getting that kind of earthy experience. So we're, we're having a whole generation of kids that 
are kind of missing that opportunity. And, and if you pair that with the fact that colleges are really good at marketing themselves to the point where they say, if you don't go to college, you may not be successful, which nothing is further from the truth. So you kind of have that perfect storm of you got to go here or else. And again, there's so much opportunity out there. And that type of thinking, that type of almost, uh, again, perfect storm will actually create opportunities for people like us who are willing to do something with their hands. Well, I mean, that is, that is so important. Now, um, you speak about uh, we are going to be spending a hell of a lot of money on infrastructure in the next several years. But one of the issues that we're going to have to be concerned about is who's going to be able to do all those jobs that, need, that, that are going to need to get done. We have two things coming up. Baby boomers are taking off. Uh, we're having some immigration issues, and we have a whole lot of unskilled people who uh, don't really know how to build roads and build bridges anymore. Well, you know, that's, a, that's an absolute fact, and that's why I called it a crisis in the book. Uh, I know for a fact that um, the average age of an electrician today is 55 years old, and for every five that are retiring, they're saying only one's coming online. I know that that's happening in plumbing and, and carpentry and welding and, and a lot of other places, so I'm really concerned about the fact that we have to start finding a way to s turn the tide away from the stigma of working with your hands and, and, and really recognize it for what it is. I mean, if there's 167 million people working in this country every day, about 70 million of those people do something with their hands. And uh, yet we're trying to put 100% of the kids through college, which is really going to create an enormous load on supply and demand, but also an amazing opportunity if you're willing to get out there and do something. You know, you, you happen to be discussing this program on a political show. So I want to do a little something here. Um, we, we have an economic system here that has a tendency to tell folks that, you know, make your money work for you. And, in, and, and, and that kind of thinking doesn't realize that your money working for you really means that somebody else is working so that they can appreciate that money that you have. In other words, when, when, when your money is working for you, it's not really working for you. Somebody is doing the work. That's what it really means. And we've been teaching people to go to business schools, to go to all these schools that don't do anything. I have a special feeling for engineering. I'm an engineer by trade. And I figure we are, we are some of the folks that, that do things. The electrician, some of the folks that do things. How do we re, repackage America so that it pays the appropriate price for those who actually get things done? A stockbroker does nothing. A investment banker does nothing, in my humble opinion, that is. Because again, all of them are dependent on you and the people that you have been given impetus to do the things that they do out there. Please elaborate on that. Well, you know, it's funny. Let's just take one quick example. And this is going to kind of partially answer your question. I was up in northern Michigan the other day and I saw I was driving to the golf course. That's my that's my favorite passion is to play golf. So I'm driving to the golf course and I passed three fast food signs. One said $13 an hour, right down the road, the other one said $14 an hour, and the one right down the road from there said $18 an hour, and every one of them had this almost begging sign in front of them, please come work for us. So I guess, I guess it's starting to happen. Supply and demand is starting to work because you have people in 
finished carpentry in Toledo, Ohio, that are making as much as family doctors and lawyers. So I actually think that that's starting to happen. And when this infrastructure bill passes, there's going to be even more load or demand upon the labor side, which means if you're someone who's willing to pick up a shovel or, or, or a torch or a wrench or a hammer or anything, you're going to be able to really job shop six ways from Sunday to find yourself that really great job. And um, it's great because anymore, you know, this used to be the norm. You, you get there on time, you look someone in the eye, you shake their hand firmly, and you're willing to work. That used to be kind of the norm. Now it's so rare that you're just going to vault right to the top. So I don't think there's ever been a better time to get into the blue collar trades. No, Ken, and I, I, I genuinely, genuinely do not know the answer to this. Um, you just mentioned supply and demand. Uh, there has always been a supply and demand issue for many of these jobs. I mean, if you take a look for a long time, uh, fast food workers have always been a rotating door. There's always been, I mean, there's always been, uh, I mean, if you paid these people right, you, they would, it would not have been the kind of rotating doors that you have. And we have a lot of professions like that. What's so special about now that, um, and, and, and I, I, let me, let me digress. I have a partial answer, uh, but what do you see special with now where we are empowering workers to actually sit back and demand what they're worth? Well, again, I, I think, you know, it's funny because every time our government tries to manipulate supply and demand, they ended up, they end up kind of messing it up in some way. So for, this is my opinion. So if, if you think about, if, if you think about, the, the, just take the pandemic. Yes. The pandemic, in my mind, kind of made everybody um, uh, a kind of stay at home, work on my house, work on my yard, um, live locally, celebrate locally, um, recreate locally. And that put an enormous amount of pressure on an already pressurized system. But what I think it did is it got people to realize, you know, I don't need to spend my life in a minivan anymore. I, I can stay at home and have a great time with my family. And that caused a whole lot of home improvement things to happen, maintaining, repairing, fixing, replacing, whatever. So I think it just put a whole lot of pressure on those people who are already doing it and, and having them understand, wow, I can raise my prices. I, I, can, um, I can control my own input, my own output. I can control my revenue. So it's very quietly becoming the thing to do because plumbers are making you know, six figures now where before that wasn't the case. And I just think we have to get out of this stigma of, you know, I was at a party the other day and there was parents hanging around and well, my daughter's going to this college and my son's going to that college. And one said, well, what about what's your name, son? Well, you know, he's just going to be a plumber. And I'm like, wait a minute just going to be a plumber. <laughs> I need to tell you what that means, because once you understand it, you're going to go, holy cow, why wasn't I thinking that way? So it, it's just a, it's just kind of a, an awareness thing I think we need to fix. You know, it's amazing because the return on investment on that plumber is going to be pretty huge compared to the return on investment of a, of a doctor and what the doctor has to make to make. My, my daughter is in med school and she's going to have probably near $500,000 worth in debt, even though I paid her entire 
her entire sure. uh, undergrad. It's amazing. But, yeah. um, you know, so the return on investment. But um, uh, based on a little tonality that I hear, heard there about your, your um, maybe a little bit of abstention from the government, um, I want to I want to I want to posit something and then hear your response. Okay. Um, the pandemic gave a lot of people, as you said, the opportunity to stay home. But it was not only the opportunity to stay home, but given that we needed them home, they were paid to stay home, which means they had time to ponder. And in having that time to ponder, they had the flexibility, which inherently created shortages and choice. Um, so I may, I may take a little bit of exception when you say the government in some cases screw things up. I agree that the government can screw things up. I think in a lot of the way the welfare system was set up, especially for how minorities, what, it, what I think it has done with a lot of families, no, I shouldn't say minorities, but a lot of families because of structure, um, I think that's been problematic. But also, I think there was a little bit of freedom given to people right now to effectuate exactly what you're talking about, don't you think? Well, well, sure. I mean, if if you just if you drive from my office where I'm standing right now to the to the freeway, which is only a couple miles, there's probably 50 help wanted signs. Right. And 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 they used to be just subtle, a little help wanted sign in the window. Now they're screaming with flags and you know all kinds of stuff to get in your face as you're driving by. Come work for us. So again, I, I do think people took the time. And they were able to, they were able to afford to take the time. Right. That's pick, magic. That's yeah. the magic. Of, uh, yeah. They could afford to take the time because they had that support. Right. And, and I'm all for um, job shopping to get exactly what you want, because at the end of the day, we all want to do something that we're hopefully somewhat passionate about. But that's not even going to matter if, like I talk about in the book, if you don't have a real clear vision for what you want your life to look like. And I think that's where we fail our kids as well, is we tell them we live through a world of if, then. If you go to school, if you get good grades, if you get a scholarship, if you get a college degree, if you get a job, then you'll make some money and then you'll be happy. That's that's backwards to me. I think we need to start out with what does your then look like, and then let's find a way to get there, no matter what path you take to do that. You know, um, I think that is uh, some of the best advice from uh, that I've that I've heard because I believe that wholeheartedly, based on personally, that's what sure. I'm doing right now. I left uh, my own software company to go into political activism, which is something that where I wanted to be, what I enjoy doing. And it was a matter of how could I readjust my life to, to be able to do this on much less. So, I mean, that, mm -hmm. I, I think in, in a, what you're saying make a lot of sense. And it's all about ultimately uh, happiness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, look, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm recommending uh, that folks go out there and get your book. I really love what you have to say about um, really going out there and not that last statement that you made is, I think, the most important one of them all. Not the if-thens, but where you want to be and what it takes to get there. I think that, sure. is, so I think that is so important. Now, uh, the last question I always ask people, so prepare yourself, okay. is what would you have liked me to ask you that you want to get out there for everybody to know, not only about you, but about what we need to do? 
Well, I, I think I think this way. It, it, it seems to me that um, when it when it comes to uh, our kids, I think that we need to get them to understand that they are a heck of a lot in more in control of their life than they think they are. Okay, they have all these amazing options. They have all these amazing possibilities. If they just step back a second and get off of the the corral of I've got to do this or else. And I'm not an anti-college guy. I mean, if you're going to operate on my shoulder or if you're going to engineer a building or if you're going to teach people or you're going to manage money, I get that. You need to know everything there is to know. But to just to you know blindly put everybody through there, I think, is is, is a challenge. So. If, if kids are, are, if they understand that, yeah, I, I can control my input, my output, I can control my revenue, I can control what I want my life to look like, they're going to lead much happier lives. And, and that's kind of what I've dedicated myself to do. You know, I wrote this book, not for the money, because I've been blessed already. Um, and I believe that to whom much is expected, or much is given, much is expected. So I donate all the proceeds of my book to kids groups to try to get this message out there. And and uh, I just hope people take advantage of it. Well, let me tell you something, uh, Mr. Rusk. Uh, for somebody who worked themselves up, who really uh, did what it took to get there, as opposed to somebody who was given something or somebody who took something from somebody else to make it big, you have my respect. Ken Rusk, a blue-collar business entrepreneur and author of Blue Collar Cash, Love your work, secure your future, and find happiness for life. Go get the book. Thank you so kindly for having been here on Politics Done Right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.